podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, so we're back after a short winter break of our own. Yes, we took a week off to spend some time, just step back and I guess take a breath as the information rolled in. So now able to get back on the front foot and use less. Um, so this might happen on the pod, or I was hoping so, but we've still got even more information to come with replays and things like that. The deadline's not far away, so here we are on Sunday night. And after a bit of time out, I'm raring to go. Um, you may have seen me on FPL Juice last week. Thanks again to the guys for feeding me alcohol and indulging me. Um, yes, it was a really good time. Uh, plus, the traitors is now finished for another year. So I have more headspace to redevote to fantasy football. Joined by Sam, as always. How are you, mate? Did you have a good week off? And are you equally raring to go? Yeah, I'm buzzing to be fair. I'm really looking forward to this next like period of the season now. I feel refreshed. Um, it was a really long game week and it, it's felt like a bit of a, a a slow death over the last couple of weeks with game week 21 just sort of like dragging us through the dirt. But we're finally out the back end of it now. We have got a lot to look forward to, blanks and doubles and a lot of planning. And I think this is the part of the season that engaged managers really enjoy. Um, so yeah, really buzzing to get back to it buzzing to be back on the pod as well because it's been a couple of weeks as you say so yeah really looking forward to getting going um and hopefully fpl doesn't dampen my spirits over the next two weeks uh too much more um in the meantime though before those spirits are dampened we are who got the assist on today's pod as tom mentioned uh we'll begin uh to lay out our thoughts about chip strategies something we've been beginning to talk about quite a lot privately but we want to let you all in on the conversation uh Bring back the curtain on that one. I promise we you've not really missed anything too insightful. We've been saving all the good stuff for this pod. Um, the general thoughts about which popular players to retain as well. I think that'll be really important. So we're in a rush for doublers, of course, but there are going to be popular players like your Watkins, Saka, Poro, Palmer, for instance, that many of us are going to want to try and hold on to. So we're going to be discussing them. And of course, we're going to be revisiting bold claims and we've got quite a few listener questions. So thank you all if you sent those in earlier as well. Uh, we're recording on the 28th of January, so Sunday evening. All of the Premier League relevant FA Cup games are out of the way. Obviously, we've got some ties in there, which mean we'll have some replays in a couple of weeks as well. But at least... We've got a little bit more information. We've had the FA Cup fifth round draw as well. So that's even more information. So hopefully we've timed this pod quite well that we can actually come at you with quite a bit of juicy information for the next few weeks ahead. Yeah, indeed. Although, yeah, I mean, it, it's there's so much riding, isn't there, on that Villa-Chelsea game effectively. Yeah. Um, so a lot of what we say is going to be conditional on that. Um, but yes, it, it does seem like um, it's starting to pour into place a little bit. And with the and we'll talk about it in just a sec. But the the, the draw I felt was a, a little bit disappointing. We were both yeah. was the first we both said to each other, wasn't it? Oh, it's just it's just limited chaos that comes out of that one. Oh, a, a lifetime ago, Sam, I believe there was a game week. Um, so I think we should just was. look over what what happened way back then. Yeah. Um, 
you did you did you came through in the end though i'm glad that you seem a lot more infused now because i think there, there was a point last week uh, or the week before where it, it did feel like you were close to handing in your notice yeah i was ready to throw in the towel yeah it, it just felt horrible but i again i think it's because it was such a long drawn out game week everything that went wrong felt like it was two or three things going wrong and it, it just felt it just felt like a slow death, whereas eventually it all turned out okay. Darwin came through with 11 points. That really helped me out as well. And Gordon coming off my bench uh, for the injured uh, Trent as well sort of sorted me out. I think the final game of the game week as well with Estupinian, um coming in with eight points basically ensured that I got a green arrow. So I got 68 points with the minus four, that's 64 net. Um, but that was enough for, I think, about a 50k rise. Yeah. So it wasn't a big, big green, but it was suitable enough. So, uh, yeah, really no complaints from me. Captain Palmer, which went well. I think it could have gone the other way with Saka. There's not, there wasn't really much between them in terms of their actual performances. It's just one happened to get the penalty and the other happened not to. So I don't want to say that was necessarily a better decision. It was just a better outcome. So I'll definitely take that and run. Um, but yeah, 68 yeah. points, enough for a small green. Um, but I really want to start pushing uh, up a bit more over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, certainly. I, I share the small green. I've got like it's like 10k rise, 15k rise. Bang on the money for the safety score of 59. Mm. Got a double Arsenal clean sheet, Sam. Well, yeah. However, I didn't own Gabriel. <laughs> so yeah. The were still a bit, a bit muted. And I suppose that that's kind of how FPL giveth and FPL taketh away um, in the same swipe a lot of the time. And yes, I was on the Saka captaincy rather than the Palmer captaincy. Um, I see. I saw that Gabriel's second goal has actually been awarded to him. Um, so justice for Saka captainers should have at least got an assist out of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, hey, here's what it is. I, I know the rules of the game, so I'm not going to be too worried about that. But yeah, I think it was, it was really the Darwin second goal um that locked the green arrow in certainly for you and mostly for me as well i needed i mean if estopinion had got one more point or something like that i maybe i'd have got a small red and yeah bang on safety and similar to you a little bit frustrated that it's not really gone very far but i mean it, it was it was another sort of 50 point green sort of week um and i think the next one might be as well um so yeah, one free transfer i um, got rid of um a son for Saka, and um, yeah, obviously, loads of things I could have done, but I just kind of went easy, right? So, since we last spoke, Sam, there's been quite a lot of news, um, which I think we should catch up on and react to. Uh, the first yeah. thing, of course, um, happened on Friday, uh, Friday morning, uh, Klopp leaving Liverpool at the end of the season, quite a big mm -hmm. one. And um, I guess FPL, FPL wise, I was kind of reflecting on that, um, when I was taking my daughter for a walk earlier on, and I think, um the main thing for me in terms of Klopp and the impact held on FPL is that he made Liverpool consistently part of the furniture almost as ref in, in your FPL team. That's tantamount to kind of the, the team he was able to sculpt. I mean, you also had, you always had kind of the original kind of fab free uh, for me, no Salah and, uh, and Mane. And it's been incredible, especially with Salah's kind of consistency. Um, and I guess also, nurturing the careers of players like Robertson and players like Trent as well. I can still remember on a pod many years ago saying that like 
when Trent was like five million, like we'll look back on this year uh, and think, wow, you know, we were so, so lucky. I think that's how kind of getting into kind of 2018, 19 sort of time, really. And but yeah, what, what he's done for Liverpool has been transformative. And I think it was really interesting to see how they follow that up. Um, I was reading a bit about Xabi Alonso today and his style of play is a little bit different to Klopp's and how Liverpool are setting up at the moment. So, and he's also only got one, one season under his belt. So we've got no way of knowing whether he just adapts to the tools that he's got in front of him. Um, mm. Really interesting to see what happens next. My money is actually on Deserby, um, even though um, I imagine he's probably more aligned to how City would play. I, I don't know. I, I can see see that sort of working. I can see him really excelling as Liverpool manager. So that's where I, that's where I think he'll go. Um, what are your views on Klopp? Um, really, I, I've kept it very FPL specific because I mean everyone else eulogise about the football. Yeah, I, I I think it far be it from me because I'm not a Liverpool fan. It wouldn't be fair for me to try and summarise Klopp as a Liverpool legend, I think that's for other people to say. From an FPL point of view, I think he's made them a relentless attacking force since the day he got there. It obviously took a few years before they became a Premier League force, but the style of play that he's brought through has meant that they are always front of mind when it comes to FPL for us. And obviously you named named a few of the key men there. Obviously, that wouldn't have been so much of the case if it wasn't for the style of play that Klopp has ensured that Liverpool have been playing over the last few years. It's an incredibly entertaining style. He's gone toe-to-toe with some big, big spenders. Obviously, Liverpool spent their own money as well, but he's maintained that competitive edge against other other teams that in other eras would have just run away with it season after season and there wouldn't have even been a fight. So, yeah, from from that point of view, it's meant heavy metal football every single year and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I think we'll all miss it from a Premier League point of view, but also an FPL point of view because we just don't know what it's going to mean for some of their assets. Maybe there's going to be a few players leaving at the end of the season. You just don't know at this point. But yeah, in short, he's he's made sure and ensured that FPL-wise, Liverpool have been thoroughly entertaining and really, really positive for us for the last few years. Definitely. And then I think one of the key assets that will be, whose future will be up in the air now Mm. is is Mo Salah. Let's not talk about the tran- any kind of potential transfer speculation because, you know, who knows at this point. Um, but he is out for three or four weeks. Um, his agent says four or five days ago that it was 21 to 28 days he'd be out, something like that. Mm. And certainly there are quite a few of us, including me, who've still got him in the in, in, in our squads. Um but probably looking to sell, let's be fair. Uh, Chris asks, what do we do with Salah? Is it KDB? Is it Jota? What are we thinking of doing with him? Um, I don't think there's a case to really keep him, is there, Sam? Just because there's so much, so many unknowns. There's so much you could possibly do with that money. Principally, of course, um, your Holland draft back strategy if you haven't got one. Yeah, exactly that. I think previous to now, because we didn't know how far Egypt would go, there was always an an argument to hold on to Salah for a little bit. But because regardless of how far Egypt go, he's probably still going to be out till around game week 25 anyway. I think there's a very strong argument to just sell him now, especially when you consider the options on the table in midfield. KDB and Jota are obviously two. You've also got Richarlison. Quite a lot of managers still don't have someone like Phil Foden. So again, these are all pretty easy options that you can move across to. I think if you don't have Foden, he's probably the safest bet. After that, all of them come with slight tangents, uh, slight risks to them. KDB is obviously X-Men's. Jota, 
it's it's all about exposure to Liverpool if you haven't got a plan to get out of them for the blanking 26. And Richarlison, very similar in the sense that Tottenham don't have a game anymore in 26 and also don't have the double in 25 as well. So there are positives and negatives to all of them. But I think all of them in isolation are good enough options to be picking and bringing in over Salah, especially because we don't even know he's going to be back for double yeah, game 25 no at this point. No idea. And I'm not going to be an armchair physio about it too much, but I, I, I just wonder whether the expectation that he'll come straight in, be fit, uh, <laughs> is a little bit too fanciful um, for me. Um, yeah, if it's kind of on the cusp of game week 25, that he's going to be back fit. I don't know. I think there's going to be, it's logical to assume there's going to be a lot of doubt, a lot of questions about his ability to play that game. And, you know, don't forget, you've, you've got the League Cup final pretty much straight after that, haven't you? Mm. Um, so where's the priority going to going to lie for Liverpool, especially because you've seen the other guys be able to come in and keep the momentum going with the talisman out? I don't know. I, but it, at, the, at the moment, is it kind of makes sense to sell, and certainly any of the options that you've discussed is absolutely fine. And it, I think it all kind of hinges on your Holland strategy. Yeah. And the Holland, the last bit of news, I suppose, before we speak about kind of all the FA Cup and everything, how it uh, hinges into the chip strategy, because Holland was not fit enough to play Spurs in the FA Cup. Um, Pep said that his first minutes are going to come against Burnley. What that means, we don't know. And we will probably find out, hopefully on Tuesday, um, what the situation is with him. Uh, but certainly one um, which all of FBL is keeping an eye on when it comes to uh, it comes to the Norwegian meat shield. Um, yeah, uh, certainly uh, a bit of a strategy, uh, not not killer, uh, but a strategy, a momentum stopper, I suppose there, Sam. Um, there's still a temptation, isn't it? We are both discussing it earlier on. There's still a temptation just to go with it because, you know, City player coming off the bench and doing loads of points. That, that, that surely hasn't happened recently, has it? <laughs> yeah, especially after a long layoff. Who who would be able to do that? Um, yeah, I, th I think... We're ho we're obviously hoping that we get news on Haaland, that we get some sort of magic wand waved with ITK saying, oh, he's definitely going to start against Burnley, because if that happens, that sorts out our transfer strategy for this week and also gives us a really good captaincy candidate for the next few weeks as well. The more likely scenario is we don't get anything solid. We probably hear that he's training well, we'll make a late decision on him and he's in the mix for starting, <laughs> but he's not guaranteed. I don't know. Then, I don't know. We'll find out afterwards. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I, th I think if you buy him, you know what risk you're taking. You know that he's a very high upside player. If he if he starts the game, you've got the best captaincy option this week, without a doubt. But if he doesn't start the game, Pep has said he's likely to get minutes, his first minutes, barring any sort of setback, of course. So how many minutes are good enough for you to still bring him in? I think that's the question. And is 30 minutes against Burnley at home good enough? Arguably, yes. I, mm -hmm. Probably not to captain, but to bring him in and just get that transfer sorted, I think there is an argument to just say, I'm just going to get it done because yeah. there's no other moves that... I, we'll get into our specific teams later, but I'm in quite a particular situation where if I use a transfer anywhere other than Haaland this week, then it means that I'm basically locking in a hit down the line to get back to someone like Salah in 25 if he's fit. So I really want to be cautious not to just 
take a one-week punt on another Man City player because it could ruin my strategy, yeah. barring Haaland. If I go for Haaland, because he's part of my long-term planning anyway, then it's a transfer I'm going to make. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I can see an argument for going for him regardless and just hoping he gets good enough minutes. But if we're being sensible about it, most people, I think, are probably just going to hold off a week and wait for more news. Because if he comes off the bench against Burnley... 20 minutes, it's unlikely he gets a return, but because it's Haaland, it's more likely than others. And then you would back him to start in game week 23. So yeah. I think that's a sensible play, but we know what they can do. Again, against as a team as open as Burnley, if he yeah. comes off the bench for 30 minutes, that's that could still be a bloodbath. I'm also going to wager that most people, I mean, you and I have got Darwin, but he was a differential according to live FPL. I'm going to wager most people's front three, three for three does seem to be in vogue at the moment, is Watkins, mm. Solanke and Alvarez. And I'm also going to wager that most people are going to need a hit to bring Holland in. Um, so you'll be hitting in a player who's playing 30 minutes, albeit yes against Burnley, for a player who's probably likely to be playing 90, definitely in the case of Watkins and Solanke, and almost definitely in the case of Alvarez, who's playing Burnley anyway. So yeah. Bit tricky. Um, I, I mean, if, if I was going to do it, I'd, I'd um, talk about this a little bit more later, potentially. Um, I'd be doing it for Solanke, um, who does have Nottingham Forest, who are all at sea without their AFCON players in 23. And then Fulham, whose goalkeeper is the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League since we've signed him on, <laughs> you know, on FPL um, coming up. So it is a, it's a tricky one. And yes, as you say, it was, it's contingent on a lot of things, but it is a transfer you're going to get done. Um, unless you're kind of a, a, a balls to the wall, no Holland um, sort of player. Um, I don't think there's going to be that many. And the other thing as well um, is the price for Holland is going to rise exponentially. He didn't drop that much because his ownership was kind of, you know, so high in the beginning that it was like grades of the percentage um, that he's going to fall. So he only fell 0.1. On the, ob the obverse of that is when he's bought by a lot of people, his price is going to rise pretty quickly. Um, I think we'll probably end up looking at him at like kind of 14.3 before long. Um, so yeah. one to really keep an eye on. They play Wednesday and Monday City. Um, so I think there should be enough time in between the games. And the way Holland plays as well, there probably are limited worries about him busting a gut um, because he's not playing a box-to-box -box midfield role. He's very much playing kind of a, a scanning tactical sort of role at, at the apex of the City team. A lot of his energy being conserved for those kind of moments of clarity when he does uh, what he does best. And, uh, well, this year... Not as well, not as well as last year, but but still, obviously, a player that you want to bring in, and yeah, um, also captain. So yeah, one's definitely um, look at look for the information for in future. Cool. So with all that in mind, um, the final thing is the FA Cup results, um, which obviously impact your strategy. Um, quite a lot of bits and pieces coming through from that FA Cup uh, from the FA Cup results. Uh, we do know that Fulham and Spurs and Burnley and is it it's Brentford, isn't it? Those yeah. are the, those are the two games in game week 29 which are definitely going ahead. But Sam, you've got a nice graphic of all the kind of um upcoming um things that we've got to navigate. Um yeah, would you mind just kind of talking us through and giving us a quick overview of the landscape? Obviously the graphics on YouTube, but Sam's gonna voice over it as well. <laughs> I'll try my best. I think this is the third time I've recorded something like this in the last couple of days. So fingers crossed I can get through it efficiently. So yeah, the chip the chip strategy basically hangs on the doubles and the blanks over the next few weeks. Game week 29 being the FA Cup 
dependent one is going to be the issue here but first and foremost let's run through 25 and 26 so 25 is going to be the next upcoming double with man city and brentford both confirmed to double already liverpool and luton i put on the graphic here as doubling in 25 they aren't officially scheduled in there yet however to explain very quickly why it's extremely likely they will be is because they can no longer move to another part of game week 26 where the fixture was originally put because they're both through in the FA Cup and Liverpool play in the other half of the game week 26 period in the Carabao Cup final. So they can't leave it there. They can't move it to any other midweek all the way up to game week 34 because of Liverpool's commitments in Europe or at least potential commitments in Europe. And then by the time they get to 34... There's all the chance that Liverpool will still be in the FA Cup anyway. And of course, if they're still in the FA Cup by that point, they'll have another game to postpone and put that into game week 37, which is the other opportunity for a double game week. With all of that in mind, if the schedulers know what they're doing, they should put it into the only other opportunity if Liverpool progress in all of the other tournaments and the only other opportunity now is game week 25 so that is why it's extremely likely that it goes into game week 25 and of course they will have that blank confirmed in 26 the other two teams that definitely blank in game week 26 as it stands is Chelsea and Tottenham that's of course because Chelsea are also in the Carabao Cup final and with Chelsea and Tottenham in mind, they obviously don't have the double in game week 25 to balance that out. It's not impossible it goes in there, but it is less likely because it can move to another part of the season more easily than the Liverpool game can. So it's not impossible for impartiality reasons. The schedulers might be tempted to move both of those games to the same day in 25. So they both got the same gap before the cup final. But there are other places it can go and it's much more likely it moves elsewhere. So if we move past those, I think most people are fairly well versed on 25 and 26. 29 is the big blank. That's the FA Cup sixth round blank, as it were. So any teams that get through to the sixth round will have a blank in game week 29. As Tom's already explained, four teams already won't blank because they're all out of the FA Cup as well as the team playing them in, in that round in game week 29 rather, that's Burnley, Brentford and Fulham, Tottenham. Now, because of the draw in for the round five, it's quite easy, I would say, to predict which teams are going to go through and not into the sixth round. So a lot of Premier League play, uh, clubs have gotten championship or lower opposition. So there are a lot of teams that are going to progress to the sixth round or most likely progress to the sixth round. Obviously, nothing's guaranteed. But when that happens, it means that the blank becomes bigger. So there's one fixture in particular that I think we mentioned at the top of the pod, which is the Chelsea Villa replay in the fourth round. That's really important because whichever team gets knocked out, they are guaranteed to play in game week 29, as are their opponents in 29. So Chelsea, if they were to get knocked out, would it, that would mean that Chelsea and Arsenal both play in game week 29. Obviously, there's a lot of fantasy appeal in both of those teams, so that would make it easier to navigate game week 29. 
But on the flip side, if Aston Villa were to get knocked out in the replay, then they and West Ham will both play in game week 29. Again, there's good fantasy interest there as well. Probably not quite as much as Chelsea-Arsenal, but still enough that you could probably patch together a team without needing a free hit with relative comfort for a lot of managers. A lot of managers will have Bowen, Ariola, You'll have Watkins in a lot of cases as well. That could be relatively okay to navigate. Maybe you go in with eight or nine players and you just take a, a marginal red arrow, but you haven't burnt a free hit in it. Some managers will be really, really out of luck and have 10 or 11 players out that week. And that obviously at that point, you probably look at free hitting. But I think because of the way the fixtures have fallen and the fact that Spurs, which are a team that obviously there's a lot of fancy appeal in anyway, will be playing in game week 29, it makes that week ever so slightly easier to navigate potentially without a chip. Now, I won't go I won't go into the permutations of 34 and 37 too much, but obviously the games that are postponed in 29 will go into one of those two weeks. Yeah. And it's pretty likely, again, this is James from Planet FPL's expertise here, not mine. So big thanks to him for summarising this. But it's very, very likely that the teams that double in 34 will be different from the teams that double in 37. There won't be much of an overlap there. In fact, the only team that could overlap, I believe, is Bournemouth, where they'd have a double in both. But that's only because they've obviously had the uh, the Bournemouth-Luton game postponed from earlier in the season that needs to go in somewhere, but it doesn't necessarily need to go in either of those two weeks. It could go in pretty much anywhere, uh, depending on what the, the schedulers are happy to do. So... Yeah, there ends my monologue for now. I'm sure that raises a lot more questions than it does give answers. But that is the the general gist of where we're what we're facing over the rest of the season for the blanks and the doubles, and why you would need to plan ahead and navigate this correctly, especially with chips in mind, because it could get really complicated if you start front loading the chips now and leave yourself in a bit of a, a predicament come game week 29 and beyond. Yeah, okay. No, it's certainly a good rundown there for sure. I think looking at Ben Crellin's sort of uh, predictions as well, we're, we're probably looking at maybe four games in 29. Yeah, so it's, as you mentioned, one of West Ham versus Villa or Arsenal versus Chelsea. And then Luton versus Nottingham Forest is the other one that is potentially going to go ahead. Yeah. Um, unless um, you know, I think it's, I, I think it's if Luton manage if Man United um, get beaten by Forest, then Man United Sheffield United goes ahead. But yeah, it's it's, it's definitely quite a, a vexed period. But it's definitely one that you know, everything's starting to fall into place now. We begin to see the, the the landscape for what it is, and that kind of helps us begin to plan what the hell we're going to be doing. And I think it's actually quite useful to think about what you do and do want to do and how you're going to utilize the chips to solve specific problems which come your way for example game at 25 a double with liverpool and maybe luton as well if you are in for like alfie doughty or you're in for i don't know who i should be in for actually um <laughs> it's just him um, but is it morris trouble... still an option no this is as um adebayo is playing now um oh, okay well there you go <laughs> um, anyway um but yes um, and maybe go for ross barkley and summon the ghost mm -hmm. of yesteryear um yes uh, and liverpool i think most people are going to be looking at a triple at least in 25 um, and you've got then those players you all need to be relegated to your bench or sold by 26 and then 29 you've got quite a lot of stuff to plan between 26 and 29 so loads of transfers that 
okay, having an exact plan, we spoke about this a little while ago, is something that I'm not entirely on board with, but still it's worth having an outline idea of what's going on. And even though most people are now equipped with the same information and indeed equipped with the same team in those cases, um, you can find an edge, at least a small edge, um, smaller than it used to be, that's for sure, um, in the general meta um, by having an idea of what you're going to be doing going forward. Um, the irony is that we do the pod on planning and I've started to have a look at it far more than I kind of intended to just because of the unique sort of team position I find myself in and I think that that's really important here because there are and if you listen to Planet FPL as well James will always say this there are a lot of people for whom one strategy will suit completely so Mm -hmm. for example I I think am I right in saying Sam the the orthodox sort of way through this is triple captain in 25 yeah, kind of make your way through towards 29 dead end in 29 i came up with that by the way um i that, that's <laughs> i did come up with that the first season i ever played i was on fpl twitter that was something that i coined but no one remembers that anymore and nick, <laughs> nick also coined big at the back um so all these i remember that ones. i do remember um, that but yeah no all, all, all long gone now subsumed into the meta a bit like kind of the bus team always cheating the poor guys <laughs> and yes so um dead end in 20 29 wild card kind of 30 and then i think that most people are looking at that free hit actually being played in 34 to maximize mm-hmm. that double because a lot of the fixtures that are looking to go into 37 look like they best fit the rest of the kind of season's run and 37 looks like the bench boost for a lot of people so 25 triple captain 30-ish wild card 34 free hit 37 bench boost is what most people are going to do and a lot of people who are engaged now have a very very similar team uh, so it is kind of quite set up for that is, is that that's kind of the, the orthodox sort of way through i think by the sounds of it yeah i'd i'd agree with that as being probably the most orthodox i think with, with the way that 29 is falling it might favor some managers for free hitting then and maybe just trying to find a way of navigating both 34 and 37 without you needing a free hit or maybe using the wild card after 34 so you can go attack 34 wild card out of it and, and build towards 37 i think yeah that is the way you've suggested is probably the most orthodox way it just a quick one on triple captaining the reason that triple captain is going to be so popular in 25 is because the other double game weeks 34 and 37 in particular don't have many projected doubles in there for assets that you would normally consider triple captaining that look as good as the ones that lay in front of us in 25 with Liverpool and Man City in mind there of course will be options to triple captain and you can always triple captain in a single game week as well but in terms of on paper, what looks like the best pairing of fixtures with the best possible player for a triple captaincy, 25 does look like a really good week for it. Whereas the other weeks maybe don't look quite so good. The other thing to mention is bench boost, which I think Tom will probably come on to in a bit as well, does actually look really good in 25 as well if you've set it up correctly. So that's another alternative strategy you could use. But it's just mapping out where the triple captain's best used elsewhere at that point, I would say. I mean, all, all I'm going to say on the bench boost is that I have bench boosters most years in that kind of 37, which is always historically the home of the big double of the season. And it's always been a bit of a mess. Last year, yeah. I 
consciously didn't succumb to double game week fever. I had basically single game week players, um, strong single game week players on my bench that week. And that worked out so much better. <laughs> um, but I don't know, part of me just kind of thinks that I don't really want to bench boost in 37 this year. And my team, um, I don't really want to go in like, through the nuts and bolts of it because that's supremely boring. But my team in particular is very well suited to game week 25, especially if I'm assuming that Salah's not going to be fit. Um, really well suited to game week 25 bench boost. It wouldn't be, you know, the, the perfect bench boost. I think, you know, I'd be missing maybe one of Trent or Tony, um, which again, <laughs> may be anathema to people, may make you think, oh, you know what, screw that, I'm not going to do it. I might be able to, to squeeze in uh, one of them, Um if I kind of make a tough decision surrounding, you know, selling a, a Watkins. Um, but I think that my team is pretty well suited to that week. I mean, there's quite a few reasons why. Um, so Arsenal, I've got triple Arsenal. I've got double Arsenal defence. And most people probably won't have that. Um, mm. I do. And I've got too many transfers elsewhere that I want to be making to to kind of facilitate me removing one of those uh, kind of defenders for later things. So I think I'm going to have to end up keeping them. They are away at Burnley that week. So in itself, that kind of looks all right. Um, if I kind of this week look at look at kind of bringing in Jota, um, later on bringing assist defender. So I've got, I've got double Arsenal defence in 24. Um, 24? Yes, uh, we play Liverpool um, away. Um, so 23, we play Liverpool away. So mm. I've got to make a defence move then. So I might as well bring in a City defender then with the 25 uh, double on its way. Then I'm kind of looking quite good for, um, you know, for bench boosting that week, to be honest. All I need to do is remove probably like Charlie Taylor, who's kind of just rotting around and mm. also Fleck, uh, also remove Turner probably for Flecken. Um, and then my team looks pretty good. I mean, I'm probably, I'm not going to be bench boosting doublers, probably. I'll be bench boosting with something, you know, like um, Palmer, who's away at Man City, unless I removed him, one of the Arsenal defenders, probably Watkins, or uh, I, uh, people have got all sorts of weird rules about what what does your double actually, what does your bench boost actually mean? Um, but you know, Watkins versus Fulham, Bournemouth, uh, Gordon versus Bournemouth, Poro versus Wolf, whichever one of them you you think is not going to be in my main team, and then Leno versus Villa. Which I think looks absolutely fine to bench boost. And to be honest, a lot of the time, absolutely. the bench boost is a millstone around your neck. Like you've always got to be thinking about it, you've always got to be conscious of it. So if I do get the bench boost done, get it out of the way then with players who, are, yeah, they're not doubling apart from, you know, maybe the goalkeeper. But at the same time, I've, I've kind of <laughs> relieved that burden from myself in a kind of an, in a nice way. The bench boost, I guess, covers the triple captain, which sounds absolutely preposterous, but it sort of does, doesn't it? Because it gives you a, 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 a triple captain is two extra players, so captain is one extra player. The bench boost gives you four extra players, so hopefully that will do that. Um, I've got to hope that obviously game week 37 is an absolute train wreck. Um, and, and in my uh, history of um, going against the template, it's never really done what done very well. But I'll probably be doing the other, the opposite at that point and triple captaining. And, and it'll, it'll probably be, I mean, you mentioned a second ago that um, the big teams are unlikely to have a really great double um, in the, in game week 37. So it's probably likely to be someone completely pump worthy. And by that point, I mean, you know, fair play, you might as well. Like last year, um, I you know, captaining uh, Wilson, a lot of people did that in game week 37 and massively profited from it. So I'd be hoping 
hoping for something like that. But it'd be the obverse sort of situation for 25. I quite like it. I, I like kind of building towards that. My team looks particularly good for building towards that. And kind of there's loads of benefits around doing that. And I think it would probably still be using the free transfers between 26 and 29 to dead end into 29, then wild carding when everyone else does, free hit when everyone else does. It'd just basically be the triple captain and bench boost would be kind of swapped over. And yeah. that's a lot really due to how my team looks. Um, but there are a few sort of yeah buts about it, which are I don't really have a route to get Salah back. So if he is fit, I'm pretty screwed. I'm going to have to hope that Jota and Darwin um, kind of cover it. Didn't mention Trent because, again, Trent is probably going to be a difficult one for me to get to. I don't entirely know how I would get there within the context of the team that I've got. There is obviously the option to wildcard in game week 24 to set up the bench boost in game week 25, which I'm not above doing, to be honest, because you could probably plan your way through to 29, uh, especially because you know if you, if you load up on whichever of um, Chelsea or Villa and um, Arsenal and then have uh, top Spurs players, obviously Tony, blah, 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 you could kind of make it work. Um, but I, I kind of would be preferring to to kind of work my way from 26 to 9 and wildcard when everyone else does. It'd just be wildcarding in a specific way, which would mean that I could, basically put all of my resources into my 11 and there's another reason that i'm really interested in doing that because my team value sucks and a lot of people's team values are through the roof really really good i don't really know what happened this year i don't know whether i was just taking my eye off the ball when it came to transfers and whether i was being more cautious than ever before um, i don't know whether um i sold players at the wrong time but for whatever reason my team value is is is, is it's not really poor, but it's a lot poorer than other people's. So for me, it makes a lot more sense later on to be piling all my money into the 11, whereas others are going to have to make considerations about having a stronger bench. I can you know, look at 12 men. I'm happy with that. Whereas others are going to have to be looking at 15 men, basically, especially as they kind of head towards 37. So yeah, millstone around, uh, removed around my neck, fits my team situation. I think I'm on the bench boost footing with the moves I'll be making uh, this week. Almost definitely, in fact. Um, it just relies on that Liverpool double being confirmed 25. I really hope that happens over the next couple of days. Otherwise, things um, are going to obviously be a little bit poo-pooed. Yeah, sounds good. I really like the look of it. And I think if I was a bit closer to the bench boost as an option in 25, I'd be, I'd be more likely to consider it. But yeah, your team seems set up for it much better than most. And I think it is an opportunity to get out of the way and... Yeah, a triple captain that week is probably ideal, but and there won't be another better opportunity on paper. But we know that there is there is a significant amount of variance in FPL. 34 or 37, if you get the right captain that week and triple them, then that could be a huge gain. And yeah, I also really don't like the sound of bench boosting in 37. That, that fills me with dread, especially if there are a number of teams in there that don't have much to play for at that point, that sounds like rotation city. And also if you're wildcarding around 30, 30, 31, I think it's more likely 31 given the way the fixtures fall. Um, that's a good five or six game weeks before 37. And you're tr trying to hold team value across your 15 for that many weeks. That seems quite difficult. So I'm not massively convinced on that. I I hope that game week 34 lends itself to a 
bench boost more and then I can free hit in 37. I would kind of prefer that as a strategy, but it completely depends which fixtures go where for the doubles because uh, it just simply might not lend itself to that. Um, but yeah, for the time being, I think a chip in most cases will be used for in game yeah. 25. It's just a matter of which one. I think the free hits kind of been ruled out for most um, yeah, and free hits so. will probably be moved elsewhere. Um, th- 26, I think most people can navigate now um, yeah, with a little sure. bit of planning. And then it's 29 being the defensive way of using the free hit, which I think we've got a question on, yeah. or an aggressive way of using it would be 34 or 37. Um, obviously, aggressive obviously. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work, but I do quite like that upside as obviously you get a lot more fixtures out of it if you free hit into 11 doublers rather than you're free hitting into a full playing 11 where you would have had six or seven anyway. You're gaining three or four fixtures there versus gaining potentially as many as like eight, nine or even 10 fixtures in if you free hit in the double. So could go either way. It depends how your team is set up. But this year, if I can get there, I'd prefer to navigate 29 without a chip and then try and attack with the free hit in the back in the back eight game weeks yeah andrew callanan asked because of all the fa cup replays and and uncertainty of who blanked in 29 especially um is free hit 29 to cover a good option and of course it is undoubtedly it is Mm -hmm. um as you mentioned a little while ago the teams that are the the games are confirmed for as well as the teams that who are likely to have a game or who will definitely have a game depending on who wins and who loses um are furnished with fpl relevant assets and so it's not going to be the end of the world um if that kind of ends up being kind of a four or five game game week and the blank always is kind of a, a net around sort of four games going on um i think there's undoubtedly if you're playing the free hit defensively benefits be had just on appearance, effectively. Um, you know, you, you, most people are going to field kind of seven or eight players, whereas you're going to be able to field 11. So yes, you, there you go. Um, but um, I think the, the flip side of that is that the chip is very powerful, as you've mentioned, Sam, played aggressively, um, especially if there's a kind of a, a double game week that doesn't really fit in the line to the rest of kind of the team setups, which 34 at the moment looks like yeah. being. So... I think that, you know, yes, use the free hit then. It's really good if you are a advocate of the I'm not going to get off my ass until I absolutely have to <laughs> way of playing FPL. Uh, I'm going to uh, solve the problem when I come to it, which, which I, I'm, I've got loads of sympathy for, as you spoke about a couple of weeks ago. The only sort of problem is, is that the free hit is a very, very kind of powerful chip. And if we're able to get out yeah, triple spurs, I think most of us have got Poro, we can probably get there. It's not that difficult. Grab Tony, uh, whichever one of Arsenal or Chelsea or or West Ham Villa. I mean, you can easily get kind of the key men in those sort of games. Luton versus Forest. I mean, you can buy a player if you've got a free transfer. You can get minus four if you're looking to wildcard next anyway. You know, you can get to eight or nine possibly i mean even seven or eight is absolutely fine to be honest in that week as long as you've got kind of the key men within that week and you've covered the key sort of problems i remember do you remember that um salah versus watford blank 
where yeah. everyone was like absolutely pooing their pants about the fact <laughs> they didn't have an enemy. We were all this before in days before free hit, I think, and we we're all there, you know, making moves, you know, thinking, oh, we're so clever. We've 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 seen ahead to what's going on, and then we're all kind of laughing at the casuals who had three or four players, but no one did anything except Salah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely smashed it, and it was the same whether you had three players or eleven, like difference was nothing so th- that that's obviously an extreme example but that can happen if you as long as you've got the key men covered you're probably okay and i think i'd agree with you that um the more sort of aggressive way of playing with the free hit is going to be a lot more sensical this year and probably a lot more popular this year too and um, obviously to see what the fixtures do end up looking like and um, mm. but if there is that kind of misalignment with 34 to the rest of kind of the course of things if there are unfashionable teams you double them and you don't really want a part of that really in your fpl team normally but on a one week high variance basis which is what it always is then sure free hit that's what it's there for is literally a free hit just just go for it and why not yeah completely agree i think i i like I said, I'd prefer to use the free hit in 37, but 34, given the way it looks like it might be shaping up with the un- unpopular, unfashionable teams, that could be the aggressive play here. So, yeah, really like it. Obviously, there's plenty still to figure out in terms of which games go ahead and which games don't. Maybe we get a bit lucky with 29 and, well, I say lucky, it depends how you look at it. Um, but we're maybe one more cup set happens in round five that gives us yeah. an extra fixture we're not really expecting. Um, and therefore quite a few other players that are in our teams already are playable in 29. For the time being, though, it looks like it will be a big blank and we're all going to have that problem. So just having the key men probably sorts you out fairly well. Definitely. Um, a couple of questions on this. Um, one is the impacts of... Um, that City having that double. Um, obviously, I mentioned a minute uh, a little while ago that I'm probably going to be buying a City defender because I've got double Arsenal defence and there's Liverpool game in a couple of weeks. FPONZ asks if it's uh, Bernardo or Walker um, for the first City asset, assuming that Foden and Haaland are a given. Um, I suspect the answer is going to be um, that we, we've got a little bit of time before 25 takes place, so you probably are okay to wait for information. In the defence, I, mean, I said your voice note about this when I was pushing the pram, didn't I? Um, and the Stones' return uh, congests things because I had uh, you know, Ake as kind of the guy that I would like. Obviously, he's, he scored um, against Spurs, but I do have documentary evidence. I said that to you before he did the goal, <laughs> so I didn't look like a, you did, a, you did. a reactive Richard. <laughs> but um, I, I think that you know he he was going to be the one that I'd go for. But now I think the the, the water's muddied slightly um, with Ruben Diaz, uh, Stones, Ake, and Akanji as well coming back to fitness. Yeah, and um, there's Guardiol um, who has been playing sort of a, a I, I guess sort of a. a I don't know how you describe it, like a, a, a support sort of role as left back. Um, a really interesting sort of profile. It's like kind of Colwell or something, kind of defensive wing back um, in football manager parlance or something yeah. like that. Um, not too much really to shout about, but does seem to be playing and or not having the two minute cameos and he's the cheapest city defender going. So he might be the one who kind of comes in and there's always kind of boring, boring Walker um, who looks like he's the most likely to be playing. 
that said, uh, City's uh, entire run is very congested, especially when you start throwing in other sort of cup competitions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I was kind of hoping Spurs beat them, to be honest. Um, yeah, just to make it a little bit easier. <laughs> so um, there's always going to be invariably some rest, and you've got to go into it eyes open that you're you're, you're unlikely to have um, the player for both of the games in the double. Um, that's for sure. Um, I, I, you know, I, I wish it was easier, but it really isn't. Um, and it might just be worth kind of just, just closing your eyes and hoping that the guy plays both. I mean, you've, the days of uh, John Stone scoring, uh, <laughs> scoring a brace and playing both games and getting—I I think he got one clean sheet, didn't I? Didn't he? Yeah. But he got the double as well. The port got a couple of assists as well. I remember. <laughs> so I mean that—that that, I think I, I don't think that those days are kind of here anymore because I think the rotation threat is always going to be there for City. But I quite like Guardiola. He looks like he's kind of in there. But if Stones comes in, Ake can of course play on the left, and I think it, that that it starts to get so confusing. I'm not interested in Edison at all. Don't let me go there, Sam. If I do, I please, please just come to my house. Come, come see my house, actually. Come meet my baby. But other than that, just just come round, have beer with me, even slap me as you leave. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. It, it's a date. <laughs> um, yeah, in answer to his question, I, I think Walker for me is like the sensible option right now. I, I am tempted by like a triple up on attack. I think that could be... An alternative, but again, with Haaland coming back, with KDB back in, Doku and, and Grealish as well will be a factor. They're all going to want and probably need minutes in and around that period of time. So given the fact that Champions League's around then as well, they're in other competitions, I, I can't see many of them being locked in to getting two 90 minutes or at least, or even two starts. I think the more likely of those are the ones that are going to be in all of our teams anyway. And then you probably add in Walker as the other one that based on what we've seen so far this season is most likely to get both starts. But even he is someone that could get rotated. Um, you could have Rico Lewis filling in there for a week or something as well. So None of them are certain. Um, I think if I was given the option right now and I had to lock in today for game week 25, I'd go for Haaland, Foden and Walker. But that could very easily change by that point because we'll get so much more information by then. Definitely. And, and I think to round off the section we mentioned earlier on, there are a few players who are constants in most people's teams at the moment. Watkins, Saka, mm. Poro, Palmer over the headline four. Um, that I think are just worth a mention um, yeah. because they are players who we are going to probably be, I, I think in Poro's case, almost definitely not actually, um, but in Palmer, Saka's and Watkins's case, all players who are going to be on the, on the chopping block for some contingent FA Cup results, of course. So if Chelsea get knocked out, as you said, and then the Arsenal-Chelsea game is on, then I think that Saka becomes a player that you probably just keep. But if Villa get knocked out and Arsenal don't mm. have that game in uh, in that week, then Watkins probably stays and then Saka and maybe even Palmer as well both come up for discussion. Now, I know Palmer's very, very cheap. The, tal the, the talisman in many ways for Chelsea, etc., etc., and so on and so on. But in 25, they've got Man City away. In 20, obviously, old club, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm more than happy to keep them for that one. At 26, then they blank. 27, they've got Brentford away. Um, we'd established a few weeks ago that they've got a very good XGC, old Brentford. Uh, 28, Newcastle, and 29, be a blank. So basically, Palmer, over the course of five weeks, he wouldn't play two. Um, he'd have Man City away in 20, and also the Newcastle game too. Um, so 
maybe he would be cuttable um, on top of also uh, Saka being cuttable potentially because he's there's been obviously a lot of uh, well-documented frustrations with him. Um, yes, you may have a lot of value sort of tied up in Palmer, but it, I don't think he's going to be that difficult to get back potentially, especially if I'm going to follow my strategy as I appuse the strategy that is and bench boost early. So I don't need to worry about kind of having money that I need to kind of be able to redistribute to the bench to set up my bench boost in 37. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely kind of stuff to think about going forward with those players. And I guess so much, Sam, I think initially we thought we were going to have a debate on this, but I'm aware of the time and also kind of this before the FA Cup results kind of came in as well. I think it is very much kind of contingent on them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think just to quickly sum up what one part of what you said as well, I think if that Arsenal-Chelsea game is postponed in 29, out of the two, the first one that goes at the moment is probably Saka. That being, because of price point, as much as anything else, there are more options you can get to from Saka. Yeah. But outside of that, Palmer, with the fixtures that you've stated, if he's blanking twice in those five game weeks, he is probably cuttable. I wouldn't say he's an easy player to get rid of. I would still probably look for ways to hold him. But primarily because we know Spurs, who are another team blanking in 26, won't have the blank in 29. That immediately makes them much, much more difficult to sell because you you want to keep them for 29. So previous to that result, I w- well, the, the FA Cup fourth round results rather, I was much more likely to be getting rid of Porro than Palmer because I've got both in my team. I probably needed to get rid of one of them in 26 in order to field an 11. My plan was to actually get rid of Porro in 24 for the likes of Walker, get the extra doubler and uh, then get, yeah, a, yeah, you were get, saying get that, a player yeah. in 26. Now, because Porro will play in, 20, in 29, like you say, he's much more difficult to get rid of. But Palmer... If he blanks in 29, all Chelsea assets probably go a notch below the Spurs assets in terms of which ones are easier to hold because you're going to have to sacrifice some of them in 26. If it's not the Tottenham assets, that kind of leaves you with Palmer. Maybe you've got someone like Gusto, but he's so cheap that what else are you going to do with him? Um, Not many of us have got Sterling anymore. So really, it's basically Palmer. And... He's gone up by, is it 0.8 so far this season? Yeah, 5.8 so, now, yeah. 5.8 now. So the most you are going to lose out on is 0.4. Even if you got him at 5, you sell him at 5.8, so you've got the sale value of 5.4. At the moment, I would lose 0.3. I've just checked, um, which is annoying to lose 0.3, but it's not the end of the world. It's not like a crazy amount that I won't be able to get back to. And because he's still under 6 million, I don't think anyone's going to be able to argue that he's not going to be good value if you buy him back at the at the price he's now at rather than at 5 million. He's a, he's a talismanic player on penalties in a side that scores quite a few penalties and he's got a good underlying data. You get back to him regardless. I, I don't think that's a massive issue. So I think he is sellable. I don't think he's an easy sell, but I think situation situation will mean that around game week 26, just to field an 11, you might want to get rid of him. And also, obviously, 29 to field an 11 as well. So I do understand it. Um, 
but he's a he's a more difficult sell for me than the likes of Saka just because of yeah, the options so. you can get to from him. Yeah, definitely. That that's it, isn't it? And uh, there's definitely kind of if the Arsenal game is off. Um, mm. Just as a final sort of put, put a button on this, uh, for me in my current situation, and it may be the same for you, um, that may progress it an earlier wildcard for me. Um, I, I could wildcard into or around kind of before the blank, basically, and then work my way through the blank, which, again, is, is not the worst thing in the world um, if you do have to go that way. Um, yeah, but you obviously come up against the fact that everyone else is going to be wildcarding a couple of weeks later, but you can probably make yeah. it work. Um, you know, you've got, you've got Spurs with okay ish fixtures around then. Uh, so if you went in 27 28, um, Palace, Villa, which obviously isn't the best game in the world, and the Fulham game, Fulham game in 29, having triple Spurs left as a hangover from uh, your movements and earlier on um, isn't going to be too bad by the time you get to game be first because they've got Luton at home. Um, so it's, it's not terrible. Um, I mean, any wildcard probably includes you know, the likes of. Uh, Ivan Toe, who knows what it's going to be like at that point. Um, but I think that I said to you earlier, didn't I? But like Brentford have got probably the best run in of them all. Um, it's been between 33 and 37. There's like a sea of green effectively. So there's yeah. loads of ways you can make it work, loads of things you possibly can do. As you said earlier on, the main way most people will do it is triple captain 25, uh, tw- play through 29, uh, free hit in 34, after wildcarding at some point before that. And then that wildcard, the wildcard between 30 and 33, maybe even you hold it all the way up until game week 35, 36, will be used as a sort of enabler for your bench boost in 37. That's the main way people will do it, but it depends so much on your team. Cool. Well, we'll come back to this, I'm very sure. Yeah. Um, let's move on to bold claims quickly, and we've got a few questions just around this off. Let's do it. Yeah, so bold claims, I think you're now in the lead. I am. Um, I after am. coming back from, was it 4-2 down or 4-1 down? So 4-2 yeah, down. Taking the was, lead. There was a a, a very um, generous double pointer that was given to me. There was. You must feel terrible about that. Um, yes, yeah, so, so last week, um, Tony Hall in the first game back was your um, bold claim. Um, and I Not quite. It's what eight points. I think we're characterizing a haul as 10 points plus. And yeah, so on the graphic, quite... it was 10 points plus as well. So, yeah, okay, I can't. Yeah, I can't give bang to rights that. there. And yeah. Darwin Hall versus Bournemouth was mine because I was anticipating that I'd probably sell him for Holland. Obviously, that didn't happen. Kept Darwin and obviously amazing. Uh, so, yes, yes. To the Victor yes, go the spoils. Yeah. Five, very, four. very nicely done. And um, you this, this week. week. Yeah, this week we've got a big Man City flavour to both. Um, I'm going with where I've had quite a lot of success this season with my bold claims has been predicting players to blank when they're popular. And this week I'm going to get back to type. I'm hoping to get back in form with my bold claims by saying KDB, despite a million transfers in, I reckon he blanks. And I, I don't really have a lot to base that on. I've said that a few times on this pod already this season, but... Uh, quite often when a player is heavily backed, especially a player that's coming back from a long injury layoff as well, we don't know for sure that he starts. I think it's likely, but even if he does, it's not guaranteed he gets a return. So I'm going to chance my arm. It's a bold claim for a reason. I'm not expecting it to happen, but I've just got a gut feeling that KDB might blank. So that's where I'm going this week. Fine. And mine is lemon and herb to the max. Um, in fact, it may, it may even just be cool it. Um, it's not great <laughs> at all. It's basically vanilla ice cream, please. Um, at a gel- at a gelateria. Um, it's Holland scoring off the bench for City. 
<laughs> That's just yeah. stories nailed on. I'm not even sure. You, I, I'm surprised you let me have this. I was <laughs> close to calling you out on it, but yeah. just, you know, there's a gate. The officials need to be brought into question. <laughs> yeah, got to be we a need a bar back on what about this. Bold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let it slip through because he was too busy out on the piss today right okay questions this week and um, there's a few uh, to answer we already kind of peppered some in which is good and um, alex ball first question alex water baby uh, what advice would you give to people who have swung the wrong way and we mentioned earlier that you, you know, loads of us kept salah but last week he sold trent um in order to facilitate mm. moves i mean it was that kind of just complete reversal um if you are there sam um yeah i mean you, you, were you close to doing it or were you just thinking you know what it looks like it's gonna be one week and what would you say alex say to alex as well yeah i think the the initial the initial thoughts on trent were i got off my plane after being on airplane mode saw he was injured and almost rage transferred him out immediately but once i actually looked at the information we got given i i did eventually change my mind on that um, yeah, I, th I think if you're in that situation now, I think the past the past is the past. You've still got Salah. I think he's an easy sell for the next few weeks um, because, we, again, we just don't know he's even going to be back by 25 fitness-wise. So I think he's fine to just get rid of. It is frustrating, I'm sure, that you've gotten rid of Trent when it looks like he's going to be back to playing in game week 22. But I don't, I don't think he's an urgent must-buy right now either. Chelsea at home, then Arsenal away. I think you can wait a couple of weeks before considering whether or not you want to bring him back in and whether that, whether you can do that without ruining your team elsewhere around game week 24, where I think they play Burnley. And then obviously the, the very likely double in 25. So probably start mapping out a plan for getting back to him if you do want him back for 24 but for the next two weeks i'd probably just just roll with the punches go without him i'm assuming you brought in a defender with decent upside more likely than not a stupid now based on what most of the defensive moves were last week so i think he's absolutely fine for the next few i don't think you need to rush to get trent back in so yeah as frustrating as it is i still think you might come out on top of it i i don't think it's going to be a massive problem yeah i agree i mean i've got i've got to think about what happens with Trent, to be honest? I, I, I think he's obviously going to be a huge effective ownership issue um, in the double coming up. And then maybe I need to find a way of forcing him in, especially if I've got rid of Saka. It'd be kind, I could kind of probably justify doing that. Um, but we need to see. Um, <clears throat> certainly a case that you may want to think about reversing it potentially, but the next few games kind of lend themselves to just watching and waiting at Chelsea at home. Obviously, I think there'll be goals in that game, but defensively it may not be quite the game that it would be expecting a clean sheet for Trent, even though obviously on the, on the opposite side, he's going to be able to um, create. And um, then there's the Arsenal game. So got a couple of weeks, I think just kind of hold it. As Sam said, you've more than likely brought in a decent player to replace Trent. And I don't think it would be a case of wanting to kind of reverse that straight away. Now, we'll see what happens when it comes to 25. I think there's been those mm. people in the same boat as well. I think there were quite a few people who sold. Uh, yeah. Next question. Um, going off template, there's quite, there's quite there's a few questions about this. I think it's just kind of, it's maybe a slight frustration with what, what things are looking like at the moment. FPL Goops asks, who's the most exciting third striker between Jal Pedro, Cunha, um, who incited the riot in the black country today, um, and, and and Chris Wood um, of all people, um, yeah, I mean it's could be Joel Pedro, hasn't it? We both discussed yeah. him potentially playing a role. 
Yeah, yeah, but Jao Pedro definitely. Uh, I I do actually quite like all of those three options to be fair, but there's a clear favourite for me right now, and that is Joao Pedro. They're, they've got good fixtures in 25, I believe it. Is it Sheffield United they've got? They've certainly got a good fixture in 25. Uh, yeah, Sheffield United away from home. So potentially he could be an enabler. It, and again, if you're looking at a bench boost, Tom, I'd almost mentioned it earlier. He could be one that if you can't get to Tony from Watkins, maybe you downgrade the position to give yourself some funds elsewhere. Joao Pedro could be a, a good option there. And and he does look like all of a sudden he, he's in the preferred 11. deserby has been quite hard on him, I think, in his first year, but it's it's starting to pay dividends. I think he scored 20 goals for them this season. No, got a hat-trick in, got a hat-trick in, the, in the FA Cup, he, didn't he? Um, he did, yeah. So it's, it's, all it's, injury, it's, injuries, it's the injuries as well that mean that yeah, he's true, more, true. more nailed than ever. Yeah, true. Absolutely. But arguably, he's played himself into that best 11 now. So, yeah, I, I would say Joao Pedro out of those three, but I, I don't mind any of them, to be fair. I, I just think because there are two strikers who have great doubles, well, three strikers that have great doubles coming, um, if not four, you've got Alvarez and Haaland, then you've got Tony and Darwin as well. So that kind of sorts you out for strikers for the next few weeks and there's a lot of people who want to hold on to Slanky because he's got a double coming at some point Two as doubles. well yeah. so it ma- it makes it quite difficult to go for an alternative but until the doubles get here all of those options are are still good and arguably Joao Pedro in 25 if you need an enabler could still be a decent enough option with a good single fixture I just chuck in a ghost of FPL past um, in um in Raul Jimenez as well, being <laughs> yeah. very, very good enabler as well at the price point. And also, crucially, having that to nine. Um, so yeah. that could be one that you'd throw in. I think that Fulham have got three very good fixtures coming up. Um, yes, they do. Everton, Burnley and Bournemouth. So if you do want a cheap player um, who's going to be playing in 29, it'll be against Spurs. But I mean, Spurs isn't a worrying offensive fixture at all. Have, have they got Sheffield United in 30? Um following that um could again be a very good sort of third striker that you want to go with but yes i'm i'm very much we're both very much aligned on jar pedro being good i do mm. like uh, i remember dan um when he was on um F- black wolf saying uh, saying that Cunha was a lot better than kind of we gave him credit for yeah um, so again could be one that you'd be looking at and um, i think it's like 26 for that blank um they, they got shuffled nice at home and uh, 28 29 uh 29 well obviously yeah, the blank's going to play a massive role, really, in that kind of decision making there. Uh, next question. Um, a couple of questions, actually. Um, Noli and uh, Mitchell Sterling ask basically, who are we sleeping on otherwise? Um, Noli mentions Marino at uh, mm-hmm. Aston Villa and Isaac at Newcastle. And Mitchell says, you know, are there some beta picks who are hanging around like uh, Ward Prowse, Diaby, and Bernardo? Um, who are being slept on due to the talisman for those sides are gaining a lot of traction. Um, yeah, I mean, if you are looking for that sort of spicy differential, Sam, amongst that lot um, and kind of beyond, is there anyone that kind of does spring to mind? I mean, a JWP, I think, is a player who did spring to mind for me when I saw, obviously, that, that Calvin Phillips had gone to West Ham. Sidebar, Cal- Calvin Phillips at West Ham being a number 11. That's like a, that's disgusting. I'm very Is he number eleven? He's number eleven. That's 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 despicable. wow. I think that West Ham should be relegated. Like, okay, all of I Everton, can't believe that. All of Everton's kind of penalty points need to be transferred to West Ham immediately. <laughs> 
for that. That is a that's just that's a crime against humanity, honestly. Uh, Awful stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, um, JWP did come to mind for me as a player who may be, yeah, I mean, he's historically kind of been very solid in FPL, which I know well as a Saints fan, it's a kind of 140, 150 sort of um wheelhouse every year could be freed up a little bit um, in terms of uh, defensive duties by Calvin Phillips being there, depending on how everything, everything goes, obviously. Um, but I mean, there's quite a few kind of, there's always these sort of nearly men or these kind of kind of sub picks who are out there thinking about the midfielders and Mitchell mentioned Marino, uh, Isaac, I think will probably come to uh, some people's minds after the Villa game. So, I mean, is there anybody of that lot or beyond that kind of of interest to you? Um, I'm I'm not going to lie. None of those options I've been p- particularly considering. I don't mind any of them in isolation, but because of the shape of the next few fixtures, I, I haven't massively considered it. One player that does interest me is now on screen, Madison. Um, him being back in the side is going to make a massive difference to them. They've been brilliant even without him anyway in terms of creating chances but they're going to be even better now he's back, I would assume. So I do really like that. Again, it's just making sure you can navigate 26 with an extra Spurs player. So that's one thing to consider. Another player I would like to just highlight is the fact that Kudus will be back from AFCON now as well. And he was sensational in the last few game weeks before AFCON as well. A lot of people were thinking of bringing him in even with AFCON on the horizon anyway. So he's a player that will be highly differential, but I think could be a very effective pick in the next few game weeks, regardless of um, how, how many doubles are coming. Uh, So yeah, those are the two I'd like to highlight for the time being. So yeah, shout out to Keith in the chat as well for bringing up Madison. I think that could be a really good sleeper pick. Um, I don't yep. out, out of the ones mentioned. I don't mind Bernardo, but I would worry about like where where he's playing in yeah, the eleven, and also you just yeah. don't know week in week out whether or not he starts. Well, he's been very it's a very consistent Bernardo actually. Um, if you if you kind of look at the the minutes so far this season, okay, um, that surprises me somewhat. Yeah, no, very very consistent. He started pretty much every game since game week seven. Okay. Um, in and around the sort of team. I mean, we'll see what happens now with De Bruyne back. I mean, that's probably the yeah. catalyst to to change occurring uh, with Bernardo. He's a big um, game player as well. So maybe they save him once or twice ahead of a big game. So yeah, I'd be so, it, I, mean, I think it's probably to his benefit that the City have got Copenhagen in the Champions League. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that, that may be like kind of when <laughs> when kind of Grealish gets some minutes, for example, when Nunez gets some minutes, so Matias Nunez, that is. Um, yeah, I mean, so. Certainly, Kudus is is of interest to me. Um, Isaac, who Noli mentioned, I think is a player who possibly is going to be crowded out. To be honest, in in yeah. in, in the striker slots, um, could be obviously a massively potent differential. I mean, we both got Gordon as well, which, which is probably feeding into us kind of disregarding him. But twenty three to twenty five, Newcastle got Luton, Forest, Bournemouth, um, very very enticing fixtures in there. Um, and he could be one of those sort of potent little differentials that kind of reward you um, within that the scope of kind of going a little bit different uh, around that. There is kind of a congestive fit schedule. I don't know what Wilson's status at the moment. I know there's been some kind of li- uh, links away for Wilson too, but it looks like Almiron's sale is going to be conveniently the one which kind of um, frees up some cash for uh, for Newcastle. I, we've only 
one fit centre forward <laughs> or one centre forward if, if Wilson did go. I, I, I really struggle to see that one happening. Um, so yeah, um, all okay. And Marino, I like if Villa do um, have the 29. Um, I think he could be kind of a player that you would be looking at bringing in potentially then. And um, that's for sure. And then, you know, Jay, uh, Diaby and uh, him, Bailey, much for muchness really. And they could also all kind of do a job if you were to kind of dispense with Palmer services. Final question this week. Uh, John asks what our captaincy thoughts are this week. He's undecided, was obviously going to captain Holland, uh, but now doesn't know. What do we think? Yeah. Um, so nice kind of segue and transfers and captains it. Um, and I think that we're both aligned on this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll move us over to the teams now. So I think yours is on screen first. I I think the the most obvious answer is whichever City player we can back to start is going to obviously be a pretty decent captaincy shout. It's, it's a safe bet. Um, obviously, we've both got Foden in our teams and I think we've both got the armband on him at the moment. If we got a heads up that um, KDB definitely starts or Haaland definitely starts, if you've got either of them in your team already, they probably become a much better captaincy shout than even Foden is. But as it stands right now in terms of expected minutes... Foden's probably the safer bet. Alvarez is another one that is probably in that in that realm with, alongside Foden. But I'd be a little bit nervous about Alvarez based on the fact that we know that KDB and Haaland, if they don't start, are likely to come on in and around his position. And we saw midweek, or we saw in the Spurs game rather, over the weekend, that Alvarez can be taken off even for KDB, not just for Haaland as well. So... It, I would be a bit more nervous about Alvarez, I think, than Foden, but either are fine. Outside of City, where where do you see the the best options? I, I guess Richarlison's going to be tempting for a lot. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I, Spurs defensively are not the best. So if you are sat there on Ivan Tony, I wouldn't say no Interesting, to that. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a little bit rusty, it's fair to say. Um, against Forest, yes, obviously the goal gone a lot of controversy, but other than that, I think it was only shot on target. <laughs> so um, there, there's probably kind of going to be hell to pay um, at some point um, if you do own Tony, and that could be a good game for it. I do like Richarlison, but as we as we've sort of established in the past, the XGC for Brentford is very good. Yeah. So yeah, it probably wouldn't be one that I'd be kind of rushing to to chuck the captaincy on. To be honest, um, would it be crazy to go with Watkins? It's tricky, isn't it? I, I would I be going with Watkins right now? Villa are very good at home. Newcastle uh-huh. are terrible away. Uh-huh. What do you reckon would happen if one of us captain Watkins, Sam? Oh, he's blanking all day long. In fact, he's probably getting a red card if, if one of us captain. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a nil-nil at best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, well, nil-one, own goal, red card. Yeah, I mean, what, what the, the thing is, on paper, if you remove the names of the clubs... On paper, Watkins actually makes for a really good captain this week. If you look at the not just the defensive data for Newcastle in the last few games, but across the season, they're down near the bottom. I think they're bottom five for XGC over the season. So, and again, away from home, even worse. And Villa, as we know, fantastic home record. They do create chances for him. His underlying data is good. The only thing that is annoying and it is always annoying is the fact that he's not on penalties but also the fact he just hasn't been returning that recently uh that much recently will put off a lot of people anyway i think you see 
N N E W on on this on the spreadsheet on the on the fixture list here, and you think automatically that's a tough fixture. But if you remove that and just look at the data, it's not a bad shout. I think for me, because Man City have Burnley at home, it removes even the question of me doing it. But I don't I don't hate it. The other one I really don't hate is Saka away from home at Nottingham Forest. And people will laugh because a lot of people are burnt yeah, after that, last that's week. That's what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but the, the, you shouldn't base it on just last week. You should base it on the season and you should base it on all of the information we've got available, right? And Nottingham Forest, historically, are not a great defence. Saka's... XGI per 90 is 0.7 and he's on you would think he's got first option on penalties so it's not bad I just don't think it's as good as Burnley at home for any Man City option that's the problem here yeah yeah definitely I, I, so I wouldn't also mind just kind of back in Liverpool to be honest against yeah Chelsea, if you do have a Jota or Darwin like Darwin is informed more. Oh. Don't say that. <laughs> you know, um, you know, why not? Why, why, Tom? I'm, I'm very sorry uh, to everyone <laughs> concerned um, with me saying that. But he's now equal on non uh, XG with uh, Mo Salah and Ollie Watkins for this season. Um, and as long as he gets a couple of chances, he doesn't, doesn't have to think about it, then he could be an option uh, for, for, for anyone. But yes, it's going to be Man City, isn't it? And it's probably going to be fair with both of us on the chances of him getting the best X minutes. Yeah, that's basically it. crossed. Exactly. Um, so transfers wise, um, I don't really know at the moment what I'm going to do. Um, I, I think I need to get some bench depth. Um, so I've got Gordon um, at the moment who's on the pitch. I wouldn't mind benching him this week. Still got Salah hanging around. I've still got um, Shimakas hanging around. And I've got uh, Charlie Taylor against Man City, who's also injured. So I haven't got a bench at all. I could roll. And that could be what I do if I was going to be um, thinking that I need to just kind of keep my options open um, during a midweek game week when a lot of teams are played in the FA Cup. That's definitely on my mind to do. Um, and could happen and um, slanky is likely to be the sacrifice for um holland i bought slanky pretty late so i'm not kind of worried about having loads of money tied up in him um so i think he'd be the one that would go i'd probably want to kind of keep my options open when it comes to watkins obviously keeping darwin because there's a double now i think he just stays and um, salad to to jota um and slanky to holland was what i was thinking of doing um if obviously Holland is not fit, then I probably will just do Salah to Jota. Obviously, there's a temptation to do KDB, there's a temptation to maybe get a six defender in for Shimakas and then bench uh, Gordon. Um, but I think Salah to Jota's, if I do make a chance this week, the one I'm going to do, um, because it wouldn't make any sense for me to do that next week if they're away at Arsenal. Um, mm. But I'm still going to have to make that move either way for 25. I'm still going to have to find a way of getting to Holland and selling Salah to do it. So I, I, I don't know. I basically back Jota to score more than Gordon, who I'm happy to bench. Um, so I think that that's kind of where I'm going to go this week if I do make a move. Um, and obviously, if I'm tipped off that Holland's going to start, and we'll all be tipped off, it won't be just me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> You've got the ITK. <laughs> but then um, Slanky will go and Holland will come in and Holland will get yeah. the armband. But as it is, I'm, I think I'm okay, to be honest, um, without anyone other than Foden. Um, yes, Burnley could well be the cricket score that we've all been waiting for for City. Um, it would be good 
to get Alvarez in if it was a free hit scenario. Um, but I don't see, as it is, the benefit of buying Alvarez just because I got him in at the risk, uh, uh, knowing that I'd have to sell him again. So he's going to yeah. have to, the deposit that he puts down is going to have to be more than the hit. Um, and realistically, I don't really see that happening. So I think that that's kind of where I'm going to go. And there is a temptation, of course, to to bring in Holland for the hit and go for it. And um, but I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether I'm I'm quite there at the moment. Fair enough. Why? Well, I think you're set up pretty well, to be fair. And a, a role probably does make sense in your situation. Um, I haven't actually updated this since um, I first put it on for the last pod. So. Trent is still red flagged here, but obviously that's been cleared now. Um, so as it stands, setting up with Foden captain, much like you, Saka Vice. I've got a 4-4-2 on the pitch at the moment. So the four defenders being Poro, Saliba, Estupinian and Trent. On the bench, I've got Garnacho. So if for whatever reason Trent didn't get any minutes, which is very unlikely at this point, considering he did get minutes off the bench today. Um, then Garnacho comes in against Wolves. For the time being, though, I'm pretty happy to bench him just based on how Man United have looked for the moment. Um, Gordon is a player that I would consider benching as well. Um, I'd also potentially consider benching Saliba because he's got limited attacking upside and Forrest at home. Arsenal are a very, a very good defence, the best in the league at the moment, but away from home, I, there's a, a decent chance they concede. So all of, with both of those in mind, if I was to bring in Haaland, it would probably now have to be for Archer because I'm not going to sell Watkins until I know whether or not he plays in game week 29. I'm not going to sell Darwin because he's been actually really good recently and they've got the double in game week 25. So that leaves Archer. I do have 12 million in the bank, so I can do it in one without a hit which makes this more tempting than probably in your scenario. The problem with going with Alvarez for, for Archer would mean that I'm basically pushing back a move. So I'd need to get to Haaland in, a, a week later. And it means that the two moves that I need to get back to Salah in game week 25 would then be for a hit. So if I, if I was to make any other move than Haaland this week, then it basically means that if I want Salah by 25, it's a hit. So if I go with Haaland this week, bring him off the bench, bench Saliba or Gordon potentially, then it means that I don't really need to worry about bringing him in in future weeks. And it might mean that I don't need to take the hit later on down the line. I am tempted to do it regardless of whether we get news or not. If like, Obviously, if we, if we get negative news, I wouldn't do it. But if we get nothing... I'm still pretty tempted to just chance my arm, put it, put him in my 11. And then if for whatever reason he gets no minutes, then I've got uh, Gordon, Garnacho, Saliba, whichever one I, I put first bench coming off, off the bench anyway. So that's probably fine. And even if he gets 20, 30 minutes off the bench, then that's probably enough to do better than a lot of those players anyway. So it is really tempting and it sorts me out for the, for the future weeks. So I'm not I'm not fully locked in either way. I think it's probably 55% mm. roll, 45% Haaland at the moment, but we'll see we'll see how I feel come Tuesday. Yeah, it's good. I think you're in a good position and you've been saying for weeks that like you've consciously set up to ensure that you could do it in one move. Yeah. 
30 minutes of Haaland versus 90 minutes of Gordon or Saliba. I mean, yeah. the ceiling's there, especially if you move Saliba or bench Saliba. Yeah, I, th- I, I think I, I'd be more likely to bench Saliba looking at I, it. If, I, I, I mean, feel back Gordon to score, especially Villa's high line. I know they catch a lot of teams offside, so it's a good high line. But Gordon, if anyone's going to benefit from that, it could be him. So I'd quite, li- mm. I'd quite like to play him um, and just hope that Arsenal concede. But yeah, 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 it's a tough yeah. one. If I was in your shoes, I'd be 70-30 making the move. Really? Um, okay. That's, 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 that's basically me. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm likely, I think, to be removing um, Salah for Jota this week, but and benching Gordon um, just because Newcastle are rubbish away from home and Trippier has went off injured. Did he? Or yeah, he, he was limping a bit. Yeah. So you know, could be one that I'd be thinking about. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the the the, the tired, tired Newcastle thing probably won't be a thing anymore. Maybe raring to go, especially because that game is pretty big for uh, both teams in terms of their uh, uh, European hunt. I'm not sure Villa's a tired hunt anymore, but European hunt, that's for sure. Cool. Right. Well, didn't think we had that much to talk about, but here we are, one hour twenty minutes later. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think it was a good one. We've had a lot to catch up about, to be fair, um, because a lot has changed in that two weeks and we've still got questions left to answer, of course. But for the time being, hopefully we've given you all the information that is available to us for now anyway. We'll, of course, be back next week and we'll be picking apart the bones of Game Week 22. In the meantime, though, thank you all so much for listening. We have been Who Got the Assist. Uh, you can find us on X at WGTA underscore FPL and myself at FPL Pricey and on Instagram or threads at WGTA.FPL or again, I'm just FPL Pricey on there. If you did enjoy the pod, if you could follow us on those social channels, that'd be fantastic. But also if you could give the pod a five-star rating wherever you're listening to it, that would also be greatly appreciated. And if you're watching on YouTube, whether it be live or watching it back tomorrow, then it would be great if you could just leave a like and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on any future content. Perfect. Thanks, Sam. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the pod. Really looking forward to FPL coming back. Uh, we hope it's just you start to think about your chip strategy. The Chris ourselves well. Uh, we'll be back probably next Wednesday, actually. Uh, selfishly, we'll be all out. <laughs> we want to maximise the shelf life of the pod and also want to enjoy our ranks without Ariola's inevitable 10-pointer destroying <laughs> them. <laughs> we'll speak then. Have a good week. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.